We are so excited to announce that we're going to be running a new motherhood support group. Starting September 8th, Sina and I will be leading a 10-part group to help reduce stress and cope with the challenges of new motherhood. This workshop offers new moms with babies from zero to one weekly group sessions that cover issues such as body image, the impact of motherhood on relationships and identity, mindful parenting, and self-care. The new motherhood support group will provide a space for connection, safety, and empowerment as we embark on the journey of parenting together. You will leave this workshop with a better understanding of motherhood and friendships with other new moms. The workshop will start September 8th and be on Thursdays from 12 to 1.30 p.m. You can register on Eventbrite, link to our website and Instagram at lovelink.co, or email us at info at lovelink.co if you want to learn more. Hope to see you there. If you really want to boil it down to the simplest things, there's stingy and there's thuddy. And stingy feels cutting, um, almost like like you look and you're like, am I bleeding? Because <laughs> that was a lot. And thuddy has weight behind it and it hurts in a different, in a deeper way. You feel it more in your body. Welcome to Lovelink, your guide to love and sex in all forms. We're your hosts, Simone Humphrey and Sina Simon. Our guest today is a sex educator, storyteller, and the creator of Sex at Agogo, a live sex Q&A talk show performed regularly in New York City and taken around the country. She teaches sex education at conferences, universities, and you can find her behind the counter at Shag, a sex shop in Brooklyn. In this fun and at times provocative interview, Lola teaches us all about kink and BDSM, what it means to experience pleasure through pain, and the potential for empowerment and healing and submission to a partner. She shares with us her personal journey of discovering her sexuality, sex ed growing up in the South, how she cultivated her own body and sex positivity, and her introduction into kink and polyamory. We're so excited to welcome Lola on the pod. All right, so welcome, Lola, to the pod. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, welcome. So, you are a sex educator. Yes. Tell us what that means and what you do. So, for me, um, sex education is, I take a more edutainment, which is entertaining while educating. So, that's more of what I do overall. I do workshops and things like that sometimes, but it's not as fun for me as putting on some type of performance in teaching people. Um, I also work in a sex shop, and so that is a lot of um, dealing with the general population of folks and just giving them sometimes rudimentary anatomy information. We get people who come in because we get a lot of people from the Hasidic community in our particular store. Mm, where is um, your store? In Williamsburg. Uh, so What's yeah. it called? Shag. 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 So we get folks in who are like, I don't know what a clitoris is. And you're having to like, ha- okay, like have a whole body conversation. So it goes anywhere from just like anatomy lessons all the way to like tips and tricks all the way to like, let's break down materials for your flogger and like why you would want this over that. Or, oh, you're vegan. Let me find, I can find you like 30 things in this store that's totally for you that isn't leather because everybody thinks kink is everything leather and stuff. Um, so it's just disseminating information for me in the funnest way possible. Um, 
So I they come in for a sex toy and they get a free class. Right. Amazing. Right. And we also do little <laughs> workshops there and stuff. And um, I also do a show called Sex at a Go-Go. And it's a sex ed Q&A and Go-Go review. So we mix uh, Go-Go and Burlesque in with sex education. It's not really a class. It's more folks get to come in and they get to ask us whatever they want to ask us. So they write their questions down anonymously so nobody has to raise a hand, um, which means we get lots of really in-depth like sometimes people give me three slips of paper <laughs> where wow. they've written a whole thing but we get a lot from people because they don't have to talk out loud right. so we try to create that like safe space container in a bar so it's this like oh you're coming in for a show and you're gonna see a panel of folks talking about sex and laughing and then you're gonna see a little go-go uh, or burlesque in the in the middle of it but then we're really gonna like get to the nitty-gritty and answer your questions and what are some of those questions but what are the most common questions we you're get getting? a lot of butt stuff questions <laughs> how do how do and and the my most hated word in the show is convince i hate that word convince yeah like how do i convince oh. my partner and i'm like well we don't convince we talk about our desires and explain why they're important to us and why we would like to try them and that we would like our partner to participate mm -hmm. there's no convincing there mm, because a good clarification yeah, yeah. well because it's such a thing of like you're not trying to trick a person into doing something it's like hey i'd love to try this having that conversation of like what's your apprehension around it and nobody ever wants to ask that question there's never the like why don't you want to do this or or that there is that question of why don't you want to do this but there's no in-depth like well tell me the things that are maybe frightening you about trying this or what are your worries about doing this like a curiosity right yeah. right and i think also especially with butt stuff there's always this thing of i always tell people penises are never the first thing you put in your butt it's just that's like step three <laughs> <laughs> what's step one and two step one is fingers with gloves mm. so you don't get hangnails and weird you know things that scratch and hurt in our sensitive places and it's outside of the body massaging the muscles and working your way in step two is toys and like starting very small and working your way up and then a penis it's like is like the last step because you've gotten used to it because you're working out a muscle I use the, I always tell people, it's like yoga. You know, you, you start a yoga class and you're not very limber. And maybe by like your fourth or fifth class, you realize like, oh, you can move a little further than you could before. You can stretch in a way you couldn't. And it's not that your muscles got loose or they stretched out and your arms got longer. It's that you're providing new muscle memory to your body and you're stretching it out and warming yourself up it's the same thing with mm -hmm. you know the anal muscles we have it's a ring of muscle and it just needs to be stretched and warmed up and awakened right. and even then it may not be something people enjoy but do you think that you get a lot of butt questions because it's people think it's more taboo yes it's like the the it's the place we don't talk about but i'm like but why so many people have anal sex so we have like an entire market for anal sex and it's not just gay folks it's like everybody it sounds like what you do a lot of is also shed the stigma around yeah. these conversations or that it's normal that it's normal because people will yeah. whisper people are in the sex shop like hi so and i'm like we don't have to do that we don't have to whisper I like 
will say pussy or dick or whatever and I use I use a lot of anatomy in order to um, not use binary language because we're I'm been working really hard to move away from that because everybody's like what are your men's toys I'm like whatever everything in the store could be used on a penis it's just pink and maybe not your jam because it's pink but you know everything can be used pretty much everybody can use things like all the butt stuff it might be shaped more to reach your prostate but everybody has a butt and everybody can put it in their butt <laughs> so it's mm. you know people get so locked into like this is for me or not for me right yeah I think so many of us are conditioned to be so ashamed to talk around about these topics and it makes me curious about I mean what your sex education was like oh. and how you became so comfortable talking about sex oh <laughs> <laughs> I so I grew up in South Carolina and our sex education consisted of being separated in what like the fifth grade to talk about getting our periods um, and I remember being very like curious about what the boys got to talk about like what did you talk about we talked about this but what did you talk about I was also that kid that found porn magazines early under my grandfather's bed and would read all the dirty like penthouse forum letters mm -hmm. and things and so I learned about the word cunt and got very excited that that had an, another name <laughs> and went to school and started asking kids like what do you call yours I was that that you're a kid. provocateur yeah. child I was because I was very curious about sex and part of that I think is because I did have some sexual trauma in my childhood that made me hyper curious about sex things and like wanting to know like, okay, because I when those people experience trauma, you also experience pleasure. And so there was this thing of like, I know this is not good, but also post all this stuff, there was this pleasure stuff. Like I started masturbating really early, which also was like a part of when you go through childhood trauma. So it was a lot of like, I'm having these feelings and every I can't talk to anybody about it because it's just going to bring up all the trauma stuff for them and I'm probably gonna, and I felt like I'd get yelled at which I'm who knows you know um but there wasn't a space to talk about like that it also felt good mm -hmm. so I think I started seeking out and being curious about that stuff really early and also it opened that Pandora's box of like oh this is a thing that people do and I got put in that kind of grown-up category of like oh sex is a thing we do way too early and so it just made me curious and so I just anything I could get my hands on I was a big romance novel reader when I was like 10 <laughs> like you know you go to the library you check out all the like Harlequin novels and mm -hmm. stuff um but yeah I've just always been curious about sex always read anything I could get my hands on and I don't know I've just always wanted to know what other people thought about sex or what like why don't we talk about it it's always felt normal and I guess going through that so young it was like okay this is a part of my life and I don't know if it's a part of everybody's life but now I want to know things and clearly there's stuff happening and we're not talking about, about it what's all the things I, I just want to bring it in so I have no idea I'm a Leo that's only my only answer <laughs> for why I'm okay talking about things is I'm a Leo and I like to talk about whatever and was there a person who like was the first person you felt comfortable talking about sex with? Because, I mean, I remember as a young person being in sex ed, and it was very fear-based. Yeah. And it wasn't until maybe, I don't even know, college? 
that I that I met somebody where I felt like okay yeah now I can talk about sex was there a moment where you felt like okay now I have permission to really talk to somebody about I think high school for me well moving to New York um, I moved to New York my sophomore year of high school so moving to New York became this big like oh wow because everybody's very like oof in the south you're very in a box and I also was living in the rural south so it's like oh, even worse extra extra but also like I was I that that whole thing about like kids get pregnant because there's nothing to do and I remember being at parties in middle school and kids are having sex because there's nothing to do Friday night after the football game except for go in somebody's car and you'd be sitting there while your friend is having sex in the back seat and then you get driven home and it's like okay good night and you know it's happening even though parents are saying no and on Sunday everybody's going to church but then somebody's pregnant in high in like middle school high school um, so it happens when you say abstinence only. Right, right. <laughs> right. And then moving to New York, I think just, it was just this, I won't say sexual awakening, but there were just more kids like me. So, like, I was going to sex parties in high school. We would, like, half days go to a friend's house and watch porn. or G- We watched porn or we watched Angelina Jolie movies. And... <laughs> And we Same did, thing. Yeah. <laughs> we watched Gia and we watched Original Sin. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have like discussions about sex, but we would just like experiment with each other. And I was out in high school as bisexual and I like had friends that were dog collars. I dated a girl and a guy at the same time. And it wasn't like we were sitting at a table going, this is what we're going to do. It was just kind of this accepted thing. Like I didn't. A lot of kids weren't out, but they were. It was like this kind of unspoken thing. Like we had a special group with a teacher that we would meet up with and people weren't saying I'm gay or I'm this or I'm that, but we would wear the rainbow things and we'd all go to Pride together and it wasn't this huge thing. And a large cross section of kids came out after high school. So like I still keep in touch with a lot of people from my school. So it was just this Was it a progressive high school? It was, was like a newer high school in Queens that mm-hmm. had opened up and I don't know if it was necessarily progressive. It wasn't like we had special classes. Right. I just I don't know if it was just it's so many different types of kids from all different walks of life and there's so much more there was so much more for us to be. And you're in New York City. In New York yeah. City, right. And like everybody that's like our one defining thing is everybody's curious about sex Mm. so that was a point where finding a lot of people on that same page that you're like oh i want to do this with and spank and whatever and like just try it out and yeah i mean i think that speaks to the importance of finding community right and feeling like i'm normal Mm -hmm. normalizing all of these things yeah because when people sit alone and don't have that sense of community, that's when the shame really sets right. in, yeah. Normal and safe, that you trust Normal the people safe, that you're with, yeah. because when you're feeling safe, that's when the experimentation happens. Yeah, and like, I didn't get called a slut until I was, well, after high school. Like, I didn't get called a slut until it was like, post high school, when I was still, same proclivities of like, experimenting with people, but now it's like the wider world, and people are like, what are you doing? Oh, she's a slut, and things like that. And so I didn't have like that kind of bullying sexual experience in high school, people might talk like there might be like little whispers but nobody was like mean or like now wow like I'm like wow if you went to high school with us I don't know 
we wouldn't have been safe. Maybe it's the internet. Mm. I don't know. Maybe people were talking about stuff, but they weren't saying it to our faces. Yeah. But it was just a way different experience. So that must have been a hard shift to go yeah. from being really accepted about your sexuality mm-hmm. and your sexual appetite to then suddenly being made shamed or bullied. Right. Which then became this thing for me that when I found a person that I was really into, it was like, oh, this is why I've been slutty. This is why that I've always felt like I never wanted to settle down with one person and all these things. And I was like, oh, it's like what they tell you that, you know, you'll be normal and less slutty and not kinky and all those things if when you find that person to love. And that worked for about six years. And then I had an affair. And then... It's a long time. Yeah. And I, hit, I had a quarter-life crisis where I just broke down crying. And I'm like, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. Like, this mm. isn't me at all and so i rediscovered and started really delving more into kink and ethical non-monogamy at 29. <laughs> so wow. like there was like this whole decade of like dormant m- yeah right. monogamy yeah. and not being kinky and just quote unquote normal and did your partner go on that journey with you for about a while we're going through a divorce now um because they've decided they want to be um, monogamous. Uh, I don't know what their bent, if their, you know, ideas about kink has changed. That journey, they weren't. They kind of explored with me a bit, but couldn't quite wrap their heads around it. And I'm also super impatient and like very pro- process very quickly and know what I'm looking for. And so, I think we tried it, and he was very like, I, I'm not there. And so I just started seeking out other people to fulfill those things with me um so yeah like i didn't really start being kinky until i was 30 Mm. and that was where like all of that so it's like eight eight years i just turned 38 so yeah so what is kink what is and what drew you to it yeah okay (laughs) let's get into it (laughs) so basically Kink is like a whatever non-conventional sex practice, which that kind of shifts and changes as we go along, right? Because for a very long time, like there was like missionary and maybe doggy and maybe maybe like one other sex position on top, like cowgirl. That was like these are your sex moves. So anything outside of that started becoming, I guess, kinky. People would be like, "Oh, you're into kinky stuff because you want to like have sex in your kitchen or you want to <laughs> do things." Um, but also, kink is like you know practicing BDSM, any parts of that, um, some fetish. So I always tell people, not all kinks are fetishes, but all fetishes are under the umbrella of kink. So it's it's kind of whatever's not conventional but in 2019 a lot of people do practice like some sort of impact spanking things like that and so spanking has even kind of become this thing that's not quite kinky right unless you're doing it a certain way um or i'm trying to think of what another thing that is less like blindfold stuff like that people mm-hmm. are like oh that's not really kink because mm-hmm. you can like get that anywhere 50 shades of gray also changed that i think maybe right from kink yeah. To mainstream. yeah yeah so there's things that are like now kind of seen as vanilla with sprinkles and mm-hmm. less of the kink variety um and like but bdsm is still pretty solidly kink so that that's a bunch of different things so it's bondage discipline 
submission, sadomasochism, and dominance. So the letters stand for a whole bunch of different things. It's like you can string it together however you want to. Um, but that's just a huge umbrella. It covers relationship dynamics within kink. It covers acts within kink, so like bondage, um, sadomasochism, so people who enjoy pain and enjoy giving pain and, and receiving pain and then like the kinks that might surround that. Um, and a lot of kink is psychological and has nothing to do with pain or touch. Um, all of my major doms in my life uh, have been long distance and uh, I didn't, I still am in contact with one of them. We've never met in person and it's been years. We've been talking for a very long time but I've practiced kink with people who I've never been in the same room with. Mm, so, so how does that work? So it's a lot of mental stuff. It's a lot of phones are amazing. Um, but coming up with things like my very first dom when I was wanting to explore and he was a lovely man who was like, I want to help you find the kind of submissive you are because there's so many different ways to be submissive. Some people will tell you different, but there's different ways to top or be submissive or bottom or you know, all those different things, be a dominant. Um, and one of the things I had to do every day was send him a photo of my outfit of the day, a photo of me and my underwear of the day, and then a nude photo. Um, and so, and it had to be delivered by a certain time or there was like repercussions to what was going on. And I had to also send in my schedule every week. So this was before Google Calendar. <laughs> or before I really knew and started utilizing Google Calendar. So, like, I would have to give him the rundown of, like, here's what I'm doing and where I'm going to be. And so he'd go, okay, so when you're at work and on your lunch, I want you to do, like, X, Y, Z. Or while you're working on this report you have to do for work, I want you to put bulldog clips, which are those really hard paper clips with, the, like, the black part mm -hmm. on my nipples mm. while I work. And it was, like, a whole thing. So it's a lot of, like... Uh, giving assignments, giving things, getting visual proof. Um, some of my punishments were like I had to write lines um, like you would have to when you were in school. So I'd have to write, but I had to handwrite them and I had to number the pages and write certain code, like coded things on them so he could see that it was a different page and not me just like erasing it. And, and I had to write it in pen so I couldn't erase it. And so there's diff so many different ways. And how did it feel to go through that process? Oh, it was freeing and confusing and also helped me figure out the kind of submissive I am. Um, like I don't ever want to be 24 seven, which is somebody who's practicing. It's part of their everyday, all day life. I'm just not, I don't want, I don't like people telling me what to do most of the time. So it felt like it was too much? Yeah, well, cause it was a lot of me not feeling like I didn't have control over my day. Cause it was like, oh, I gotta do this now for this. And it was multiple tasks in a day and like from sun up to sundown down to like saying good morning by a certain time and saying good night by a certain time and having to let him know if I was going to be out of range of being able to do these things. And it's a lot of, I guess, forcing you to make a schedule for yourself. But for me, it became this thing of there was no room for New York life to happen because, you know, things pop up in the blink of an eye or something happens or somebody wants to go out for drinks and he may have assigned a thing and then I'd have to be like, well, this person, won't. well, he was like, you didn't tell me about that. So it was a lot of those things and it helped me learn who I wanted to be with in this very quickly. 
um, it also helped a lot with my self-esteem because sending pictures to someone when like I think back then I could barely look at myself in the mirror fully without clothes on and like to have to send someone pictures of yourself naked uh, and I remember that first time it was such a struggle and I cried and he was like, why are you, I can tell you've been crying, why are you crying? And he was like, it's because, I'm like, I just don't like the way I look. And he's like, but you know, this isn't about you. I like the way you look and that's why I asked you for these pictures. And down to like our very last times together, like the last picture I sent him, he sent me back the set. And he was like, look at you then and look at you now and your body hasn't really changed that much. And I'm like standing tall, my hands on my hips and I'm smiling. And it was like a completely different person from like point A to point B. And so it helped me like in a lot of ways find, find myself be happy with myself, be be able to look at myself and see the beauty that others could see in me. Because people are always like, oh, you know, you can't see yourself through other people's eyes. And I'm like, sometimes your eyes are fucked up and you need to <laughs> look at yourself through other people's eyes. That's a really beautiful journey. Yeah. Yes. To go through yeah. With somebody, yeah. And what do you think it was about? Because there's this aspect of being controlled mm-hmm. that seems like it was also really empowering. Yes. Yeah. Just not making decisions. It's nice sometimes to just let go and not have to decide what's happening in the moment and for somebody else to be in charge and it's also just an exercise in that sometimes control is stopping you from getting you where you want to be mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when it comes to pleasure right. um especially coming from like a trauma background uh my brain wants to go a million places except for in my body and so kink was a way to focus uh, pain is a way for me to focus. Um, I didn't have feeling in my nipples for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And when I started, I was like, well, you want to do a lot of things with my nipples, but I don't, I don't feel anything. Like, it doesn't feel good or bad. And he was like, oh, you'll feel something if you put these things. So I, was, I learned about banding, which is like putting rubber bands and wrapping them around really tight. And it's like, yeah, the blood flow leaving your nipples and then suddenly coming back in, you're going to feel something. Mm-hmm. And that started, it was just flicking that switch in my brain that had been turned off mm-hmm. by what I had gone through. And I didn't know how to access it. Mm-hmm. And so kink started helping me access all those things that I kind of buried and hadn't dealt with. And it was helping me kind of refocus. Mm-hmm. Really push you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you are going to work through it one way or another, but also with the person who, if you're with the right person, because not everybody is helpful like this, because I've had my share of like shitty tops um, who were hurtful and did probably did more damage than they did good. But with the right person, you can like deal with a lot of stuff. And it is a big exercise in falling apart and having somebody help you like get pulled back together mm-hmm. um and it's trust like yeah. i don't know if you do the enneagram but i'm an eight and eights don't trust anybody we mm-hmm. have big trust issues and it's a thing i know about myself but it was really like you don't want to do this because you don't trust this person that they're going to keep their promises or that they're not going to hurt you um there's a lot of fear in that and so it teaches it taught me that i to put my hands in the right people's hands like and they won't let me fall but also learning that not everybody who says they're a top or a dom is gonna have those you know guiding hands some people are not you know 
they kind of hide within the kink a lot. There are a lot of mm. abusers and people who right. are shitty within kink. So you have to kind of be smart about it. So how do you know, like, how, for somebody who's um, interested in BDSM mm-hmm. and they're with a partner, how do, how, do, how do you establish that trust? Yeah. And how do you know if somebody is trustworthy? Yeah. Um, <sighs> I think it's a lot of being patient Mm -hmm. and if anybody is ever rushing you completely into like a protocol so protocol within kink is like like right now I have a daddy um, and I don't always call him daddy and we're not always in protocol but when we are what does protocol mean? uh, it's like whatever your things are so some people do high protocol so it's like I always call him daddy I wouldn't call him by his name Um, if I'm typing to him capitalizing and you establish this at the forefront right you would establish those things and like we don't have any high protocol things but there's things that like he knows i'm mad if i'm not calling him daddy he can always like oh i must have fucked up because you're using my real name Mm. (laughs) and or just like when you're in this realm of maybe playing with each other or practicing so for us uh, i have a collar that he puts on and i know that i know without a doubt we are in in daddy mode and so everything he's doing is part of you know him getting me ready for whatever he's planning um but there's a lot to to do before you get to that point with somebody and there's getting to know someone and getting to know them just on a regular human level and liking who they are as a human and then part of it is feel so as i've gone along I always say, like, I can feel, I, I, so a person will make me feel submissive. I, I will naturally feel a way around someone who's just giving off that energy and not trying to, like, give me instruction or make me do something. There's just a way where I just uh, immediately will acquiesce because it's, I'm, I'm feeling that energy from them. So anybody who's just immediately like, well, I want you to do this or touch yourself or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're giving you orders and you don't know, you don't even know their real name. That's a red flag. Um, anybody not interested in knowing you at least as a human or knowing your past, like knowing your stuff, like somebody who's, if, especially when you're going to do anything with pain, um, like any kind of impact play things like that people need to know your triggers like I have a trauma background I have to talk about that like I have to um I get into moments where I am having a I will have an episode and I have to like say hey I like gotta tap out we have like our safe word and all those things um and yeah like having someone who is interested in knowing those things and knowing the stuff about you that may cause an issue or problem or even if it's like health stuff like anybody trying to rush past any of that it's a big red red flag so it sounds like some of it is listening to your intuition, but also building and cultivating a relationship yeah. with the person before you enter a world of BDSM. Right. Kink. And sometimes you can find events where people will be, um, it's, I don't know, it feels like a kink carnival, but it's not really. But there'll be uh, different clubs or I've gone to conferences where the dungeon will be set up and there'll be people who 
are have brought all of their spread because they would like to play with different people and you can walk up and be like i'm a newbie and so you're not entering into like a relationship but you're entering into like a temporary contract of like i would like to play with you or i am super curious about the things you have um and i like those spaces because there's usually a, a dm or dungeon monitor who will come over and like um check the person's kit out so like the first time i did needles which was uh somebody made a pattern in my back using needles and there's different gauges and you get different levels of pain and it was always a thing i said oh, i'm not gonna do and then i was like oh i'm curious i might might want to do this uh but i knew nothing about needles and it was great somebody came over they looked over the kit they were like all the safety stuff they asked them all the questions that i wouldn't know to ask and then they were like okay cool you can go and like play and so I did the whole thing and the person was really great because I was like I've never done this before and he's like okay well what's your pain level and I'm like it's pretty high um, and he showed me all the different things and he like explained like well the thinner it is the less it'll hurt the thicker it is and like he just walked me through it and then we decided on a thing that I wanted to do um, and then he's like well okay well let's talk about safe wording and things and I'm like here's the thing I get really high and I get my pupils blow my pupils blowing is a thing you need to look for because I will go past the point of being able to tell you I can't trust myself because I'm so high and it feels so good I won't stop mm. so when my pupils blow that's a good time for you to to end things mm. um, and since I can't see my own face right right what an important conversation to have yeah because it's just the thing it's I, like the drugs your brain releases is really real yeah and I get very euphoric and very high and it's I just it feels good to the point of like I can't say like oh it's too much and so I've just learned that's a line I let's stop that at there yeah can you tell us a little bit more about the kind of um, relationship between pleasure and pain yeah so for me it's oh so like if I stub my toe that hurts like not everything that happens it feels good it's like oh gosh like if it's a surprise I wasn't prepared for it um, it'll hurt um period cramps hurt like there's yeah, not yeah. like i'm like oh yeah, yeah no um but there's just for me this meditative thing about knowing something's coming your way um and ramping up from like a late hitting pinching some kind of pain and all the way up to something more heavy um, and like that exercise of moving through all of that and experiencing all of it. And it's almost like an endurance thing because a lot of times you're like, okay, this hurts. And you're having this thing of like, do I want to say for it out or do I want to keep going and see where it takes me and like what's coming up? And it's just, it's just the way my brain works. It's, it blossoms into this wonderful thing mm -hmm. and and sometimes it's like I will go through something that feels so like I'm struggling to get through it but what's on the other side is like just this fucking amazing feeling of like I'm flying and I feel just like a new baby like I want to be curled up and wrapped in a warm blanket and talk too nicely and, and is that feeling coming after the pain itself yeah yeah, and sometimes during, like, it dep if, depending on the session. Um, and for me, some people mix their pain with their sex, and 
from that's different parts of my brain it's like left brain right brain so i need to be in a certain mindset to be experiencing pain if we're having set my sex my brain is somewhere else completely and so if there's pain introduced in like a hard heavy way it'll snap me out of the sex stuff so like finding that balance like i have a partner now who enjoys inflicting pain during sex so we've talked about like what's okay and what doesn't pull me out of sex stuff and what will pull me out of it where I'm just like frustrated now because I feel like I've started all over again for my orgasm but you know there's there's different things and it's different for everyone and do you orgasm at all when it's just the pain no sex not in the way not in like a clitoral kind of oh my god this is an orgasm way but I experience a level of pleasure that is akin to having an orgasm so the way you feel after you have like a really hard good orgasm is how i feel after i've been beaten that same kind of like oh my god this is so good lightheaded i need to like you want to maybe fall asleep for a little bit you're yeah that that comes and a lot of times if i'm doing a really good heavy pain scene i don't even want sex because i'm such it's that same spent feeling like my body has already gone through that the the roles of having it even though it wasn't like that kind of pleasure it's a completely different type of thing and how do you want to relate to the other person yeah afterwards like do you feel pulled oh yeah be with them Mm -hmm. or or, like yeah yeah. so for me that's usually why I, i like to play with people i know and are okay with like aftercare being with a lot of touch because there's a lot of me just wanting to like curl up and be in a person like be as close as humanly possible to them um sometimes i'll cry i've cried after because it's just an overwhelming um feeling like sometimes a lot of emotions will come up sometimes if i've had a scene and it's been a hard time or a hard week or something's gone on it'll bring out like the tears and so like the crying um if I don't get that, I can feel very disconnected and almost like an icky, like, I don't like this. It makes me grumpy to not be able to be close. And I like being warm because <laughs> I get, I start shivering. And yeah, so it's like, I want to be near them. I'd like them to be, they don't necessarily need to talk to me, but I like being touched. So like having my back rubbed or like just their body against mine. So if we're spooning or something like that, it's really nice. invite you to spend the next few moments to just listen. Brought to you by Non, spelled N-O-N, the sound meditation app for iPhone, where no two sessions are alike. 
use the term aftercare. Aftercare. Yeah. I love that term. Yeah. So can you, some can people, you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Some people say they don't need it, and some people do. Some tops also need aftercare, but it's basically the taking care of you post whatever you've been doing. So that could be like once you're getting untied or coming off of like this, wherever you were being um, spanked or having your scene with the impact play or whatever it is, it's like making you okay, giving you water. Sometimes you might need a snack because your blood sugar can drop, things can happen. Cause again, all of this stuff is happening with your body. Um, and some people do need like to be in a blanket and curled up. Some people don't need that. Some people like walk away and they're like, I'm good. And they kind of take care of themselves. Um, but it's it's really kind of personal to what people might need. Some people need quiet. They might need to be like in a quiet corner. They might need reassurance, um, depending on like how deep of a protocol you're doing. It's like, was I good? You know, was I a good girl? Was I a good boy? Did I do good for you? Like all these things, that reassurance that like, especially when it comes to pain, because if you tap out or you do your you safe word or you, if you feel like you're struggling to, to stay in it, and a lot of times that can bring up feelings of failure after because if your dynamic with your top is that they give pain and you receive it and they're like doing different things to give you pain and if you feel like you couldn't take it or you were endurance wasn't yeah and but it can make you feel like you've let them down if you safe word out or you or like if you felt like the struggle like it was like i couldn't do it like you know you have a workout and you like normally can run so many miles on the treadmill and then you have that day where just for whatever reason you couldn't and like how shitty you feel because it you know you're like you know you're fine and that you usually run this and there's probably all these other reasons why you couldn't but you feel like a failure a little bit that same shit happens Mm. and so it's nice to be reassured and you know all those things are part of aftercare and sometimes aftercare needs to stretch days after because people can experience what we call drop um and drop happens to I think everybody and we just don't muggles don't call it that (laughs) (laughs) yeah because you don't it's like if you go like after vacation and you come back and you feel a little depressed even though you may you go to Disney World you have an amazing time or you get married and like after like your honeymoon people come back and they have like a little blue the blues it's drop you're dropping you've had dopamine drop yeah Yeah. that's exactly what it is it's dropping but so kink folks have a phrase for it so you know it's coming Mm -hmm. and a lot of people will prepare for it so for me because like now my daddy he's long distance we see each other a lot but he is not here so like after visits we make sure we're talking to each other, that we're con- still connecting, that we might have like a face-to-face call, like a you know FaceTime or something scheduled so we can talk, hear each other's voices and see each other's faces. Um, it might You might need a day of like watching a movie curled up and eating something that makes you feel good and treating yourself, taking a bath. It's, it's you might need to heighten up on your like self-care to like help you get over that hump so aftercare is in the moment in the moment and then it slides out until you know the times after you talked about the euphoria that you experience as a sub Mm -hmm. i'm curious what you know about the the inflictors inflictors yeah. yeah dom yeah doms yeah yeah. doms yeah um what what their yeah what their pleasure is yeah i don't I don't I don't know if there's like a same kind of 
oh, like we call it subspace when you hit that euphoria and you start getting to the place where you can't you're just in a whole other realm i don't know if doms go there because of course I'm, I'm not a top and that's not how i experience my pleasure um but i do know that like what i've from my own personal doms that there is this level of like enjoyment and especially around like certain acts that they really enjoy so um my current person really loves bites and like leaving marks and so when he knows he's left a mark or like the second or third time we're having sex and he sees like an old mark and he's like oh that looks so good and so there's this whole like other bit of pleasure coming from that you can take so much pain like i had a top for a while and i'll get the difference between tops and like a dom so a top might just be a person that you don't have like a deep linked protocol type relationship with it might be a person who is dominating you for like a period of time and you're not like interlaced emotionally i for and that's what it kind of is for me like if i call you my dom we have some kind of working relationship that's a little deeper tops are people that like almost provide a service same thing with bottom so if you're bottom like i will bottom for people we're not really in a relationship but like you will like um, have a friend who kicks my cunt all the time and she's the person that i experienced with that with first and so like kicking as part of a thing and so like i bottom for her we don't have that kind of emotional yeah more casual it's casual it's like casual and Uh. so and that with that i have it set up because i get aftercare from other people because we don't have that kind of touched thing um and although she will also take care of me but it's like a little it's it is more we don't have like an ongoing thing unless we're like at the same thing at the same time um so like i had a top who would just come up with the weirdest things to hit me with like he bought a brand new bike chain and took a picture of it and was like i'm gonna hit you with this tonight and i'm like okay (laughs) but that was his thing of like oh you can take this and it wouldn't you know and it was like oh i want to hit you with this so it was also finding the objects and Mm. the like oh this is gonna hurt you really good and Mm. i think there's different ways that they experience that kind of euphoria um especially with somebody who enjoys it enjoys the thing that they're giving yeah so makes me think of like different objects inflict different types of pain yes Um, i'm wondering (laughs) yeah what what that's like what are the differences of pain are there certain types of pain that you enjoy and others type that you're just not interested in at all so there's if you really want to boil it down to the simplest things there's stingy and there's thuddy and stingy feels cutting um almost like like you look and you're like am i bleeding (laughs) because that was a lot kind of like just sharp and thuddy has weight behind it and it hurts in a different in a deeper way you feel it more in your body and a lot of times stingy will be very surface um so things like canes narrow hard items like canes and whips things like that can be stingy um floggers with lots of falls the individual strings are called falls so if they have a lot of them and they're wide it'll feel like heavy like a thump so it'll hit you and it'll just be more like a deeper muscle like hit um fist will be thuddy kicking is thuddy i prefer heavy thuddy things uh i do like some stingy things uh but stingy needs to be, it's kind of that motion of moving through it. So I don't want all stingy and I don't want all thuddy. I want it like interdispersed and like 
there's in different ways Mm -hmm. um but some people have very they're like no i do not want stingy things this is too much this is too they're only thudders right Mm -hmm. they're only thudders Mm -hmm. yeah so for someone who's interested in bdsm yeah what would you recommend as like a beginner level where do they start yeah do you start where do you start i would get a where do you begin i would get a book there's so many books um, Tristan Termino wrote, what is it? The Beginner's Guide to Kink, which is a really good one. And I know people, people always, you always tell me to read. And I'm like, yeah, because that's how I figured out I was a bottom, a submissive, because I kept reading erotica. And anytime anybody, I, I would so identify with the person being like, being yelled at or told to do something and like the dynamic around that and and i was like i like this way too much i like it way too much okay this is a dynamic i enjoy so sometimes when you're reading you're like this interests me because you need to see what might interest you so then you can go seek it out who's the character i identify with right or even and for that and the the beginner's guide to kink is really just like a glossary of terms and types of kink and different things so you can read about it and go huh that might be something i want to try like you can highlight it i always tell people highlighters are magic in these books um going to a party like experimenting and going to an event that you know is going to be kinky um where you can observe people and or going to a, a conference where there'll be talks about kink so i i love them because you'll get little workshops about different types of kink that you can go sit in and learn about it and some might be over your head because it might be geared towards somebody deeper into it but you can go like i learned about fireplay and cupping and i've learned about bondage and stuff and it's not necessarily stuff i do but it was neat to learn about it and to hear somebody talk about it because then you can go like oh does that resonate with me did that make me really want to try i mean that was why i even tried like electrocution play because i was at a conference and i was like this seems very interesting and and like something i want to try and they had all the tools out and they were letting people kind of uh experiment with it with somebody who knew what they were doing and that was so i i love stuff like that because you kind of get immersed in it um it might that going to an event might be overwhelming if you're not like an outgoing extroverted type person Uh, but that is a good way to start figuring stuff out finding a class about something that sounds interesting Um, and if you're nervous about going to events and things like that uh, Molina Williams Haas and Harrington I can't remember their first name but they wrote a book called playing well with others Mm. and it's all about it's like it's a glossary of terms it talks about like Uh, going to a party or an event and like the different types you might go to and like what you're what you would wear um what you like your hygiene like making sure things are done or like don't like cover yourself in perfume because that's not you know you're gonna be in an enclosed space and that could bother some people but it just kind of gives you a rundown and it's not a thick book but I always recommend that to people because it's like, I want to go to a sex party or I want to go to an event, but I don't know. I've never been to one. I don't know. It's scary. It's scary. And so it's kind of like this, like you can read it and feel like you at least know 
what you're walking into so like they talk about flagging and what the because flagging you can flag with like pieces of clothing or scarves hankies what's flagging they're different colors uh coded to mean something so like a a yellow hanky could mean you're into p play and depending on if it's on the left or the right side of your pocket it's whether you're into giving or receiving Mm. um some people flag with fingernail polish and there's so there's different types of ways to flag so you should read it because you may accidentally be right you might be flagging something you don't know you're flagging or you might be like why is this person wearing this thing or i don't know so i like it because if you want to go to a party and you have nobody else in your life to talk to it kind of gives you a primer it'll tell you like even dress code like most kink stuff will tell you uh fetish wear or something or black all black so it'll tell you like oh this is the kind of stuff you should do Mm -hmm. and i think that's helpful because like for me i was like a babe in the woods and i was i discovered kink on twitter (laughs) like Mm -hmm. really i was following people and then people were talking about things and i started looking into the books and then the books begat the going to events and things and like figuring stuff out so it's a process it's not it's not a i'm suddenly in it and i'm or i'm suddenly kinky or i'm not it's it's a process and it's patience and if you're in a relationship and you're really interested in experimenting and exploring kink or bdsm Mm -hmm. and your partner is not on the same page i mean how do you recommend exploring it oh I think it's worth talking about it and like rounding up your resources. So if you are reading a book, um, maybe sharing that book with your partner and maybe not having them read the whole book, but if you've highlighted some passages and you're like, hey, these are things that I'm excited about, how do you feel about it? Uh, There's also this really great um, thing called a yes, no, maybe list. There's so many different kinds. The kind I like the most is by Bex Caputo for Bex Talk Sex. It's very in-depth. Um, and it has all these different things that some of the other ones don't have. <clears throat> but basically, it lists different acts. And it's like, are you into it? Yes, no, maybe. Um, but it's a good way to kind of sit down with your partner and you would each fill it out and then you trade papers so you kind of don't you get to see like oh you wrote yes about a thing i wrote yes about and maybe we wouldn't have said that to each other but i can see it now and like oh we could talk about this and we could go like oh why aren't you into this or oh you're a maybe about this thing and it could also be where maybe you might be compatible so that's a way if you have a partner who is no way shape or form interested in this at all but is you know maybe on board with you experimenting um, there's a book, it's, I think it's called When Someone You Love Is Kinky. <laughs> I forget who wrote it, but it's something, it's kind of like a primer for like, hey, so somebody you know is into this thing, and here, they're not, you know, it's not a dangerous, they're not putting themselves in danger, they're not, you know, um, they're not out of their minds, or, you know, right, like. Kind of softening their strong yeah, reaction. Yeah, well, because a lot of people have a lot of like, well, you'd like to be hit, and they have that thing of like, what's wrong with you? Right. Mm-hmm you know what did what happened to you so it kind of helps with that i think it's also kind of important to be patient that sometimes we are springing things on our partners that they're like where did this even come from <laughs> like oh um but having those conversations and like i'd remind people that kink doesn't have to be deeply like sexual in that it doesn't have to be genitals touching and like you don't have to even kiss 
So you could go and be there for your partner while they experience something and you could be part of their aftercare and you can connect with them by taking care of them afterwards if they're into certain types of play that maybe you're not into, Um, which I know plenty of couples who are like that, who are just, you know, they don't play together because the other person's not really kinky, but they'll be a part of their aftercare and helping them with things. So there's a wide range of possibilities. There's so many kink. things. Yeah. Yeah. That so many. seems important to remember. Yeah. So this is a more general question, but as a sex educator, what do you think are the ingredients to a satisfying sex life? Or what do you Ooh. feel like people should be doing more of? Talking to each other. Communication. <laughs> it is. It's key because... Oh, we get so caught up in our heads about how do I tell somebody something or why don't they know? Also, you know, people aren't mind readers. I think that's a very important thing to remember. And sometimes you do have to tell people things. And there's a lot of this misconception that you're the right person should just know. And if they don't know, then they're not a good lover or not the right person. And it's like, no, sometimes you happen upon a person that lines up with you and that they receive love and give love in similar ways that you do. And we're lucky if that happens. And sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes you have to find those ways you connect. And I tell people that all the time, um, that if you don't talk about, you know, what you need, you're not going to get it. But also, it's knowing your own body. So I'm a big fan of masturbation for all, for all bodies. Because if you don't know how you come, nobody else is going to know how you come. And it is a thing you can't explore with a partner. But there's something about taking your time when you're not in front of somebody else and not feeling like they're pleasure depends upon your pleasure or is somehow linked and if you're having a hard day that now you've ruined the moment and so like if you're just experimenting with yourself and you can say to somebody hey this is how I you know my body works and that was really powerful for me with my sex life everything changed when I was able to say like I don't come easily um some of the reasons why are my trauma stuff, but some of the reasons why are like just my clitoris, she wants to be shy. Uh, so it takes me a little longer to come. Um, but I really love the act of sex and I may not have an orgasm during sex, but I am enjoying myself immensely. And it is helpful if you're okay with helping me come after you've had your orgasm. Like that is still sex for me. And so knowing that and being able to say like, hey, this is how I work. Um, but also then having a partner who might push you like my partner now has helped me move beyond like feeling like I need porn because porn was always a good mental distractor for me um trauma brain because it keeps me in the thing that's happening but also is giving my brain a place to escape and it's so we're all working together but he's helped me like oh like if he talks dirty that helps me if I can lock in a certain fantasy and he's talking dirty and he's doing these things like I can have orgasms while we're having sex or even after sex without the porn and that was a new thing I learned about myself so he helped me push the boundaries of what I thought and like how I thought my body worked and what I thought I needed it's like I still like this thing but now I know I can like move beyond it part of that also involves you being open to it as well yeah so it's being open to those things and not being you know, being open to if someone needs toys or just being open to like a sex act that somebody might enjoy, being open to exploring and oh, just don't pressure, don't, you know, be patient. So it's like, put it out there, 
you might get a no and it's like hey i'm curious about this i would love to do this with you and it might be a no it's like okay and then maybe you're like hey i know you said no but like for that in that moment but i was still thinking about it and i was like is there would you want to like maybe start with like with like fingers or a toy or is there another way maybe we could explore this that is in a different way and then if it's still a no sometimes you have to let it go and it may come back around the person may just not like oh I, I may want to do this I may want to try it but putting it out there even if it's going to be a no it's like putting it on the table even if it's a no because then it's out in the air that you like this thing mm-hmm. and that you're into this thing yeah. I think yeah. that's great advice so what projects are you involved with now or on the horizon on the horizon so I'm still working on sex at a go-go we have a show on August 28th here in New York at caveat um, I just wrapped a web series called Sex Props with Francisco Ramirez, and we're, it's called, we just go around New York helping New Yorkers solve their sex problems with sex advice, interior design, and a sex toy too. So, cool. where can yeah, they find this? That's on YouTube, um, and it was produced by New York Magazine's The Cut. So, but all the episodes are on YouTube right now, and we have a kink episode where we help someone figure out, like, what kind of kink they might be and we like made over their apartment a little bit to be a fun kinky space but that their mom could come to and they don't have to run around <laughs> hiding things um, i'm very proud of it it was a very fun episode to do and it was great because it we got to help somebody like narrow down how they what how their kink might right. be their kinks and what they and might a lot of be. people can learn from that too yeah and uh, and we do a yes no maybe list all three of us together we're sitting on a couch doing a yes no maybe list so it's a it's a fun episode um, and then my kink kit is coming out so I have a spanking kit with the kink kit folks it's so hard to say that the kink <laughs> kit um, and I really like it because I am a fan of I like being people's gateway drug I say that I'm like the I want to be your gateway sex education drug like I, I'm not an expert expert in everything but I know a lot about a lot of different things and so if I can pique your curiosity to where you're wanting to step into something and learn more about it that makes me so happy and that's why I really love the kink kit folks because they do that they're like here's your little pool where you can dip your toe in to different types of kink um and we're gonna give you a guide and we're gonna help you find your way so you don't have to go like i don't know how to set up a scene or i don't know how to do this or like we have positions for the spanking and we have like we're even gonna have like a a a guide to what to be looking for when you spank um as far as skin color and things and like safety and what to avoid and you know uh just all kinds of and aftercare like mm. after spanking aftercare mm. which we actually teamed up with the butters and we have like a cream you can massage in post spanking that if you are a person who bruises easily it'll help with that too so oh wow so it's really yeah it's thing. it's curated step there's step a guide yeah, yeah and you get tools so you get like a nice paddle we have some things for sensation play because i i like that as part of spanking too that it doesn't have to all be hitting it can be like tickles and different mm. feels uh, so tickles. yeah and are there other kits available too? yes so they do an art of touch um, there is a trauma kit, so sex after trauma, which is super important because people do get to a point where they want to start exp- 
experiencing their sexual sides and their sexual selves. And I love the kit because it really helps partners who may be at a loss as how to reconnect with their partner. So it's kind of like, here's some tools, here are some tips, here's some games, here's some things you can do. Um, and it just really gives people this like container to experiment with and lots of resources as to like, you know, if you're here, we get it. And now like, here's where you can go beyond this. Yeah. So helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, thank you so much for thank joining Thank you for us. having me. This was a very great. illuminating interview. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. To stay in touch with us, sign up for our quarterly newsletter at lovelink.co, where we share our favorite articles and resources about love, sex, and relationships. Also, in future episodes, we plan on answering listener questions. So if you'd like your questions featured on our show, send us a voice memo using the Anchor app or send it directly to our email, info at lovelink.co. And if you have a second, truly, the best way you can help support us is to rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Just scroll to the bottom of the Loveling show page and let us know what you think. We thank you all again so much for listening. We're truly touched you take the time out of your busy schedule for us. Until next time. Mm-hmm.